Hello everyone, welcome back to Jack's Nerdcast. Today's episode will be a continuation of the, in the discussion of the Infinity Blade Saga. Uh, my first episode about it, I basically introduced uh, the lore, some of the characters, and the overall story of it. Uh, these next series of episodes will be delving into the specifics of the story. O overall, we'll be going over uh, each game as well as both the books. Um, each uh, game, so Infinity Blade 1, 2, and 3, each one will have its own episode as well as there will also be an episode for each book. And there's two books, Infinity Blade Awakening and Infinity Blade uh, Redemption. Sorry, briefly forgot the title. And today's episode will be, we will be discussing Infinity Blade 1, the first game. Um, to briefly discuss the gameplay... Uh, unless you used a PC to play the game, it was touchscreen, so you would slash your finger across the screen or press certain triggers in order to dodge or use the shield of the character. You would also swipe across the screen in order to parry uh, an opponent's weapon, um, and that and that's mainly just the gist of it. There's not much uh, to the, the gameplay to discuss, although I will say the way that the game depicts uh, the environment and gives off this gritty yet sci-fi fantasy atmosphere is really good it's one of the i remember playing through it uh and looking at the sci-fi uh fantasy elements of it and i thought this is one of the coolest uh combinations of those two genres that i have seen which it which it, uh made me really excited for the series to continue because after of course knowing the story of the first game which i'll explain here you realize, oh, it's it's got to continue. There's got to be a next chapter and eventually a completion of the story. To get into the story, essentially it begins with uh, a man who... Uh, you begin the story with a man who faces the God King and uh, he fails to defeat his strongest warrior. And so the God King briefly spares him only to then stab him with the Infinity Blade. And... It, uses his that guy's lineage to uh reinvigorate the infinity blade so that it can kill a deathless uh how did the infinity blade uh stop being able to kill a deathless or no I, i'm not exactly entirely sure about the whole infinity blade lore i do know that that rage Riar in this game was intentionally using uh pawns as a sacrifice in order to reinvigorate the Infinity Blade with the ability to kill Deathless. In order for the Infinity Blade to kill a Deathless, basically an immoral person, it had to kill... It had to kill others multiple times in order for, to, in order for that to happen. So the blade is powerful, and it can kill an immortal person, but it, the difficult part with that is that it has to be invigorated with that ability by killing uh multiple uh beings whether mortal or immortal and of course if they're immortal before the infinity blade is reinvigorated and they're killed before the infinity blade is reinvigorated with its ability to kill deathless then the deathless person would just return uh back in a different body so he kills this warrior at the beginning of the game and uh, tells his tells his top, and the God King tells his top warrior, "We're going to need this in the time to come." 
in order to uh, face other deathless, basically. In order to uh, have... In order to have greater influence and control and tame other deathless. That's one of the big things is that you'll find in this series when you watch the gameplay and the story and read the books is that um, the deathless act like uh, local warlords who are basically vying for control of one another and uh, the rule over mortals and other deathless. The game then begins uh, after you play that first warrior who then dies, who was seeking to liberate his people. You then uh, play the main character who says, who who starts off the game by saying, uh, "Father, I will avenge you." So a young warrior seeks to avenge his father. This repeats multiple times until you are successful in defeating the final boss, the God King Radriar. Uh, the the young warrior. Um, before I go any further, I should say that, um, of course, obviously, eventually, after multiple times of upgrading the character, his armor, his, his ring, and using its magical abilities, as well as tape, as well as getting a more powerful sword and shield and armor and all that, eventually you will defeat the God King. And what happens is there's a cutscene where he actually takes the Infinity Blade and stabs the God King with it. Now, of course... The blade hadn't been reinvigorated with with the ability to kill a deathless yet. The God King actually getting killed with it was the final death that was needed to reinvigorate its ability to kill a deathless. Ironically. So the fact so Rajuar like basically barely escaped. Um had another one come along to face him and defeat him, he would have died permanently. Which would have been kind of ironic. But it's also interesting that he, while well, slayed by the blade, it, he was not slayed by it when it was reinvigorated with the ability to fully and completely kill a deathless or an immortal. Um, after having defeated him and his body is now dead on the floor, the young warrior taps a control unit on the throne of this king and a digital machine lowers and projects a map of the world. So he taps the controller on the king's throne and a map, a machine lowers from the ceiling and shows a, a map of the world. It's actually supposed to be Earth in the very, very distant future. And uh, the moon, there's this object orbiting around the planet with shattered rocks around it. That's actually the moon. Um, after I'm And then after you obtain the Infinity Blade in the game, so you purchase it uh, by saying of enough by saving up enough money in the game, you head down to the dungeons and unlock the different prisons using the Infinity Blade. That's one of the things that um, is brought up in the at the beginning of the second game that Rajuar talks about to Cyrus, is that you did open the pathway to my dungeons after all. And so Cyrus, the character who's been seeking to avenge his father, not knowing actually that the whole lineage thing is in his ancestry, it's actually him repeatedly being reborn as a child and training again and again until he can defeat the god king but he doesn't know that yet until uh the second game after obtaining the young uh obtaining the infinity blade goes down to the dungeons and he fate he enters three different prisons and faces a monster and two different warriors 
both of the warriors are deathless, I believe, or lesser deathless, you could say, in that they're they're skilled warriors, but they are not nearly as powerful as the god king Radriar. Um, and after completing those, the fourth chamber unlocks because each defeating each one unlocks a lock on the fourth chamber's doors. Once you complete defeat all three, the monster and the two warriors, you unlock the fourth chamber. You enter it, and you and Cyrus faces the final warrior in a mechanized suit. And then once he defeats the warrior when he's in the mechanized suit. That warrior then comes out of it and then faces him uh, man to man. Um, and one of the things that uh, you begin to ask yourself about the story and lore of the world of Infinity Blade is uh, why the Infinity Blade? The blade was actually forged for the sole purpose of being able to kill a Deathless. Hence why I discussed about it a little bit earlier in this episode how it needed to be reinvigorated. Uh, with multiple killings in order for it to actually kill a Deathless, which Rajar was ironically uh, the last person killed before it was reinvigorated with that power. And that was the other thing. When uh, Cyrus faces the last person in the fourth uh, chamber, uh, he that warrior that he then defeats in the fourth chamber points out that the blade has actually been tempered and can now... Uh, completely kill a deathless without allowing them to uh, be resurrected. So the blade was forged for the sole purpose of being able to kill deathless in that a deathless once laid by it could not return to a body or resurrection chamber. That's the sci-fi element. This is that there are resurrection chambers and that it's and that a deathless's soul is also called a QIP, which stands for quantum identity pattern. This is also where the sci-fi elements come in to um, basically the QIP is the soul of a deathless and when a deathless dies uh, their QIP simply just floats around until it finds an another body or if the body is salvageable it can be brought to a resurrection chamber restored and the QIP will just go back to that same body um but because the Infinity Blade is reinvigorated with the ability to kill a Deathless permanently now, um, the QIP of a Deathless will essentially um, wander endlessly with no body. Actually, I don't even think it will wander endlessly. It will essentially be annihilated. So not only is the body destroyed, but the the soul or QIP of the Deathless is annihilated as well. The blade needed to be fueled by killing others and Cyrus's line, what he thought was his line at least, became the thing that fueled the Infinity Blade's reawakening. reawakening. And the final kill, ironically, was not Cyrus himself, but uh, Rajriar, the God King. Uh, killing the monsters and Deathless in the dungeon proved that the Infinity Blade's power was again reawakened. And that was like the main purpose of Rejuar having a young vill a uh, small village under his control so that they would send him a warrior which he could repeatedly kill over and over again over the decades and keep in mind he's a deathless so he can do this forever for however long he needs to and the infinity blade 
its power to kill a deathless permanently is restored. With regards to my favorite aspects of the game, I'll say the story is really good. I thought it was a good introduction to the world that is built up as uh, the game progresses with its story and with its build-up with um, Cyrus, the main character. And ironically, or just interestingly, I should say, you don't really know the character's name. You just know him as the hero who slays Radriar. And his name is introduced in the book uh, Infinity Blade uh, Awakening. And it's also discussed a lot in um, Infinity Blade 2 and so forth in the second book and third game. But yeah, you don't know his name until technically this in, until technically the first book comes out, which is interesting. He's a nameless hero in this game, which I thought was really interesting. But I'm glad they uh, gave him an identity and a name. In fact, his backstory is really interesting as... Uh, you will soon find out as I discuss uh, the Infinity Blade saga in future episodes. But yeah, the story overall is a good introduction to the world, and I think the way that the graphics and the style of it depict the castle and the location, it just gives off a strong atmosphere of fantasy, but then once you dive further into the story with him going into the chambers, unlocking the different doors, and also the final chamber where there's actually five bodies... Uh, five bodies of the of Ragery are floating in like vats with liquid kind of like uh think Luke Skywalker in episode five when he's being healed in a medical center on Hoth he's like in that tube and he's got like a breathing thing attached to him so he can breathe while in in the lip in the healing liquid if that rings a bell for any Star Wars fans, for those who didn't catch that reference, I apologize. Basically, uh, the Rage Rare had ex- has extra bodies being a Deathless. Because as a Deathless, you need to be prepared. And he had five of them in that fourth chamber, and they were all just sitting in, like, vats or vials of... Large vials of green liquid is how I would describe it. And I thought that was a really way to end, really good way to end the story because it brings in these sci-fi elements that are confusing at first to uh, the the player, but then once you delve into the story and lore more in the books and in the other games, it begins to make more sense. And that's why I think this game is an overall good introduction into the series. Uh, the Infinity Blade. So that's another one of my favorite aspects of this game is the Infinity Blade itself, the weapon feels like it is its own character even though it is a sword and it doesn't it's not one of those you know swords in movies or books that talks or communicates anything it just it's just there and it has its own presence that you don't really it's hard to explain because when you play the game it just makes sense when you see the Infinity Blade and you kind of almost see it as its own character because while it is a t- it is now in the hands of Cyrus, the main character, um, it doesn't it technically belongs to the Worker of Secrets, but it's been passed along to different Deathless, different Im- immortal persons. So it's really interesting the fact that this blade has so much history to it, and it's not necessarily attached to one singular person, at least 
for the most part. You could say it's the worker of secrets. Is it truly is? It truly belongs to the worker of secrets because he's the one who forged it. But it still feels like its own character apart from him, which is really interesting to think about when you think about like a fantasy and sci-fi series. Is that a weapon has its own character and its own story? And then of course Radriar, who. His title is the God King, and I think the reason he gives himself that title is because before mortals, so being a deathless, before mortals who are not deathless, he looks like a god. But of course, he, uh, like other deathless, was actually once mortal, who was then put in a reserve, who was then given the ability to live an immortal life. And this is explained in the second book, Infinity Blade uh, Redemption, and also in the third game. At the beginning, at least. And uh, when the reason I really like Rager on this game is because he looks and feels like a powerful warlord. Not just like a warlord who, like, I want to... Con- a warlord who's just beginning to conquer and tame uh, people and conquer a lot of land and take and create his own kingdom. He already has his own kingdom. That's really what sets him apart, I think, from other uh, villains I've seen who act as warlords. He already has his own kingdom, and it's already very massive, as the books explain. And he already has tight control over it, even though, even with having been uh, defeated in the first game and resurrected in the book, he still has tight control over it, over his kingdom. So he's already a powerful warlord, and he's already feared among not just uh, his the people of his kingdom and his servants, but also among the deathless in general who are vying, who are also warlords vying for control of his territory and other territories. That will be all for my discussion for today, for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed my discussion and my overview of the first Infinity Blade game. Um, my next episode will be continuing the Infinity Blade series. Uh, I will be discussing Infinity Blade Awakening, uh, the book. And if you are interested in reading Infinity Blade Awakening and Infinity Blade Redemption, both of the books in the series, they are available on Audible for purchase and listening. Um, I tried finding a physical copy or a digital one. Sadly, they're not available anymore. Um, The only physical copy I actually found was on Amazon, but it was like a French or Spanish version of it. So, I mean, if you can read French or Spanish, then definitely pick up the physical copy but uh if you're all right with listening to it i strongly recommend picking up the books and listening to them i think they're both very good both books are written by brandon sanderson who is a well-respected um fantasy author um he's author of the way of king series or i should say the stormlight archive series which is a big high fantasy series that span with each book being like over a thousand pages each he also is author of the Mistborn series, which is also very popular and famous. But yeah, that is all for today's episode, and I'll see you guys in the next one.